Welcome back to Shat on TV, Game of Thrones edition, the unofficial podcast companion piece of the Juggernaut HBO series Game of Thrones. I'm one of your hosts, Dick Ebert, and alongside me is my co-host, the King B. I don't have anything funny prepared. And this is our Instacast episode where we share our quick takes on this week's episode of Game of Thrones. And this week's episode is the season eight premiere titled Winterfell. Now, Gene, unfortunately, could not join us tonight. He'll be back with us to record tomorrow night for the deep dive. Uh, so I was lucky to get King B with me here. But uh, King B, season eight is finally upon us. 595 days without Game of Thrones. Uh, what did you think? You know, I saw a meme that listed that number. And I, has it really been almost two years since we last had a season of this show? Yeah, it was August 27th of 2017. I, I can't believe that much time has passed. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I I have a hard time wrapping my mind around it, and I imagine most people would too. I'm pretty sure everyone's gone back and rewatched some of this in that gap. I know I watched this last season over the last week or so just to just to prepare for tonight's episode. How about you? Yeah, I went back and I watched uh, probably about 40% of the entire series uh, just to, to catch up on the big moments. Uh, it was well worth it, and I mean, coming into today, I was I was as fired as up as as I could be. Uh, and the way that we do this, just to refresh it, you know, if we have some new listeners, this is our Instacast episode, and we you know, once the show airs 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, we run to it, we watch it, we jot down some quick notes, uh, then we run back, jump online, and start recording our initial thoughts, the what you know what we thought of it, our first impressions. Uh, then we'll go back, do you know maybe one or two additional viewings, some research. Uh, then tomorrow night, Gene and I will record the deep dive. Then the following day, uh, we will release that to everyone on Tuesday. Then you have a day to submit emails, theories, anything you want to talk about. Uh, and our third episode of the week will be released on Friday, which is called The Small Council, where we go over uh, all of our listeners' theories, You know what you thought, impressions. So that's kind of the episode that's dedicated to you. But uh, let's just jump into this. I mean, we're both blown away that it's been 595 days. And even though it did seem like such a long time, what we got on screen for me, it made the time, the dedication and getting it right uh, even more rewarding. Yeah, you know, I feel like they really didn't miss a beat. Uh, people, I think, are going to groan that maybe a tone is kind of changing throughout the seasons. Uh, I know you guys weren't as, or I know at least Gene wasn't super stoked with the the last season that you guys watched. But I mean, as an overall story, it's going to have an arc, you know, and things are going to change. You can't just have, you know, murder and political intrigue for eight seasons. You can't have just war for eight seasons. The world is going to change. The story is going to change with it. Uh, I feel that thematically speaking, this really follows the arc. Yeah, so I think that's that's a perfect step forward. So like, the way we break it down on this episode is what we're going to do is first impressions, our highlights for the episode, maybe things that we want to research more, uh, and then if there were any missteps. Uh, so we'll start there. Uh, King B, what was your first impression you know, once the hour hit and you were done? What did you think? Well, you know, as I'm watching it, I feel like we're really looking at a, a checklist of reunions and uh, initial impressions uh, between characters that have yet to meet. Um, I'm excited. I think there's going to be some real reckonings. Uh, like I said, it's almost a checklist of all the fan favorite characters. Uh, then again, they killed off everybody else. So who's left? Uh, 
But, you know, I think my favorite part of this was these real quick and dirty introductions between these characters showing, you know, some real doubt that's about to be sown, in my opinion, amongst these current alliances in the game. Yeah, and I almost had to remind myself as we're going forward that we've been following the last seven seasons with these characters. We've been spending time with them. But mm, there's a lot of them that either haven't seen each other in six seasons or have never met. Uh, and and they did not stretch it out. They gave us reunions, reveals, uh, you know, emotionally crushing moments. And it's got to be, you know, we have five episodes left. So there is no more time to just you know, sit back and have a conversation by the fire and, and philosophize about what's the, the correct thing to do with, with slaves and the unsullied. It is, it's going to be balls to the wall action. And, and for me, there was an epic scale, I think, to this first episode. It, you know, Game of Thrones is always renowned for its production value. But to me, it felt like a movie. There, there was something clear. Going back and watching the previous seasons, yeah, the first maybe three, you, you can see the difference in the budget. But today, the color, the sets, everything looked clear and vibrant to me, like it hadn't even in season seven. You know, one of the things that kind of struck was, was this the first time we've seen an aerial shot of Winterfell in its entirety? I'd never seen that before. Have you? I think we've only seen that, you know, the, the aerial complete representation of Winterfell in the clockwork intro that we usually get every week where the, you know, the, the mechanical wheels within wheels. Uh, so I don't know that we've seen it. We'll have to go back and watch it. Cause again, we just watched it one time through, but that brings me to another thing I really did like was we finally got an upgrade, a refresh of that clockwork intro. Uh, it used to be that we would jump from location to location, you know, around uh, the globe that we would see everywhere we were going to see. And from now on, it starts north of the wall. We see the wall go down and then it takes a, a really low plane. Like it, it's going at a, a low angle. We're no longer up 30,000 feet above it. And it takes us down the path south into Winterfell. And we, and we don't just see the buildings growing. We go deep into Winterfell. We see the, uh, the main meeting room. We see down in the crypt. It then goes further south into King's Landing. We down, we, we even see Kyburn's crossbow and the, the 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 giant dragon skull so there is something to it to where before the scale of the show was dozens of locations and dozens of storylines to now i think that intro represented how everything is now boiled down to, to the simplest form and the simplest storylines yeah i kind of took it as you know before everything were these wide sweeping changes that really rolled across the land and now we're really boiling down to like the minuscule the smaller individual decisions so you know you're kind of going from the the macro to the micro there for me one of the things that i was worried about was how would these emotional reunions and these big reveals how would they hit the characters cuz we we've, we've known you know for now 595 days, John's true heritage. Uh, there's no surprise to us. But for me, I was really, really happy. And one of the highlights is that most of the big emotional moments, it, it seemed to hit for me and seemed to be genuine. And that the long time it took to get there seemed earned. Yeah. One of the things that I really thought was important was how much attention they had paid to every character showing a reaction. A big shout out to everyone's performance in this episode. 
there's no ambiguity or or mystery over how this person feels about that person. Everyone takes a minute. It almost gives you a moment. The camera almost lingers on everyone's face. You know, when uh, when Bran speaks up in front of the queen saying, hey, there, we don't have time for this. This is what's going on. Everyone kind of stops and realizes, like, there's no fooling around with Bran. Well, there's no more time for exposition. You know, in, in previous seasons, the reunions were just coming fast and furious. We would have spent an entire episode in seasons past of John reuniting with Bran. But like you said, it's that quick. He looks at Bran. He gives him a hug. He realizes his brother's not there. We don't need an entire episode. You know, we get Arya. She sees Gendry for the first time. She even sees the Hound. Uh, you had Sansa and Tyrion for the first time since the Purple Wedding. Uh, you even had Sam and Jorah. Uh, you had Arya and Jon. There were so many reunions that they just they couldn't waste any time. And for me, the two highlights, the two ones that really hit and had to royally land, was the the Arya and Jon uh, when they meet at the Weirwood. There was that heartfelt. They were brother and sister, and they've always had a special relationship. John was the only one who ever treated her when she was a child that you know, he, he, he gave her a needle. He's the one who tried to teach her to, to shoot a bow and arrow. He was the one who saw that she didn't have to be a lady. And she always treated John just like he was one of her brothers. He wasn't a bastard. And for me, that seemed a genuine heartfelt moment. It was quick. It hit. And boom, we can move on. Now, do you feel that John fully grasps the nature of Arya's character at this point? I mean, here's the thing. She's the stone-cold killer. She's the assassin. Maybe even to the opposite of his sort of noble warrior persona, do you think that's going to provide problems or a rift between the two of them in the future? Or is that going to make them closer allies? Well, well, I think John isn't the... He's not the brightest. And I don't think as much as everybody loves him, he doesn't always make the wisest decision. He's not the most observant. So I don't think he realizes uh, when people downplay their abilities. He asks, has she used needle? And she said, oh, you know, one or two times. He's like, oh, did you sneak up on me? I don't think he realizes. I think in his mind, she's still that little girl. Nobody right. could look at her and, and, and predict you know, what she has become or what she's been through. And I think... Uh, we don't need to see it. John doesn't need to see it. But at some point, he's going to realize that was not his little sister anymore. Well, I definitely hope that she continues on that path to kind of showing how dangerous that she is, kind of lurking in the shadows and doing some some dangerous stuff. Yeah, and I like the way that they start off the episode. And it was a, a clear callback to season one's premiere, where Ari is in the crowd. There's a little boy who's kind of running through the woods he's crossing a river he's coming into into town to see this procession coming and it's a clear callback to season one when Ari was dressed she had on the uh, the soldier's helmet and she climbed up on top of one of the, the the wagons to see king robert and the procession going north uh, where he tried to convince ned to become the hand of the king so it was a callback to she was that little child to now she's not uh, and I think that's going to be one. I mean, the two biggest characters to me still, people talk about Daenerys, people talk about Jamie, Cersei. To me, still, the, the core of the show is family, and it's John and Arya. 
Well, and she definitely reminds him of that. And I think it kind of reinforces a lot of what we saw in tidbits up to that point in the show. When they are kind of coming in that giant procession into Winterfell and Arya's standing there right in front of the crowd, and he doesn't notice her. He doesn't look down at the people. He's just kind of cast his gaze up at the horizon. He's riding next to the Daenerys, the Dragon Queen. Arya shows a little bit of disappointment. And I think that that is echoed in, you know, the people's kind of rumblings later on in, in the meeting hall when they talk about, you know, him giving up his crown. And uh, one of the things that I've always had an issue with uh, is Daenerys is a huge fan favorite. Everyone's rooting for her. I have never liked her. I've always considered her a complete brat. Um, in my opinion, her claim to the throne isn't legitimate. And I think that those rifts uh, or those rumblings are going to start to get a little bit louder. And ultimately, I don't want to see her on the throne. So I really like seeing all these people react poorly to her. I mean, she's very proud. She's, I mean, she's uppity is really what she is. She's (laughs) a spoiled little brat. (laughs) And I'm really excited for what's coming up because I think that she is going to have to really learn some humility real quick. Maybe she'll come to it on her own, but I wouldn't mind if somebody handed her the lesson. Well, the Northerners are renowned for not being exactly, uh, you know, welcoming to foreigners. And, you know, we've come to like Daenerys. We know, uh, you know, what she's about. We know her true motivation. So uh, think of the Northerners. You think of Sansa, who's only heard rumors, who only knows her heritage, who only knows what, you know, her family has done. She's going to question. But was I the only one that when... The processions going north, we see the unsullied, and, and a lot of the, the northerners are looking like, who are these brown people? You know, they, they've never, I don't think we've ever seen anyone of color in the north. So they're looking at Missandei, they're looking at Grey Worm. But when those dragons come flying in overhead, I, I, I got goosebumps. I kind of, I, I did. Is, is, that, is that bad to say as an adult man in his 40s <laughs> that I got goosebumps from dragons? You know, I thought, if I was going to write this show or if I was going to dictate how a character should act, this is an excellent opportunity for that queen to stop and ingratiate herself to the people by addressing them and saying, hey, these these are my children. They will not harm you. They're here to help. But she's just like, yeah, I got dragons. Look at all the poor people run. And I think that's a big misstep for her. And it's going to cost her late in the game. I don't think there's any time to win hearts and minds. You know, we... we- there's no time to set up a little dragon petting zoo and let the locals come by and, and pet the dragons. Speaking about uh, failing to win hearts and minds, how about that Sam Tarly meeting with the dragon queen? Oh, oof, oof. That's another one that was it was because I saw it coming. You know, all of us should have seen it coming. This is a happy reunion. You know, it's Dora. He's coming down. He's gonna thank. You know, he brought the queen. Sam is gonna get thanked. He's gonna you know they're gonna hook him up. When this is all done, she's going to you know, have to make some changes at the Citadel. And as they're talking, and I'm just like, oh, my God, nobody knows. Nobody right. realizes they killed Sam and his father. I know Sam and his father didn't get along, but Sam loved his brother. His brother was a good man. And as we're walking our way towards that reveal, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, this isn't going to be good. This isn't going to be good. It was brutal to watch. <laughs> uh you know, I would argue that even though Sam's father was horrible to him, he you know, he still cared about his family name and 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 
at extension, he still very much wanted his father's approval, you know, and loved his father. He didn't wish him dead. Uh, and I felt the performance is strong. Um, I think that from a storytelling standpoint, putting this character in a position where he deserves to be rewarded beyond numeration and uh, receiving this adulation from someone who is going to be the leader of the Seven Kingdoms to only be informed, by the way, totally roasted your dad and your brother. So bummer, bro. Like there's no apology. It's just, hey, uh, that happened. So he leaves the room. He's clearly fraught with, you know, just uh, with grief. And now he's going to drop this bomb on Jon Snow. When Jon says, hey, this is treason, he's absolutely right. It is not a good look. You are you are responsible for delivering news that will unthrone a woman immediately after she informs you she's murdered your dad and your brother. I have to hope because Sam was distraught. Sam, I I got a little inkling of Ollie. When, you know, when Ollie didn't agree with uh, Jon Snow letting the wildings through the gate and, you know, he let it fester and eventually, you know, that ended up with Jon Snow bleeding in the snow. I hope Sam can get over it. Sam's like, what, she didn't tell you? Daenerys didn't run through every single person she's killed on the battlefield. She didn't break down, you know, family heritage and be like, OK, well, um, your second cousin. Yep. Uh, we roasted him on the loot train. There's no time for her to go through the history of it. Sam's got to just kind of get over it. Yes, John let some people live, and he did also kill those who betrayed or disobeyed him. But man, there's no time. You can't hold that against him. And if he tries to drive a wedge between them, I think that could cause some problems. I don't know. See, I don't. I don't see it as a wedge. Um, I think that. Sam will be able to forgive what has happened. He doesn't blame John in the least. I think what Sam is trying to communicate is that this woman is not the be-all, end-all great leader. Like, you're the leader we chose. You need to take this role. These other people that you think are more suited to it, they really aren't. You know, um, you're the home team. You really need to start acting like it. I think John's always been a reluctant leader. John didn't. John was happy going up to the wall and becoming a brother and uh, just becoming a ranger. He didn't want to take a leadership role, and now he's forced into it. And what does he get upset about? Oh, that that means my father lied to me all these years. He has to come to a realization, and he has to then choose between his new love and what is right. And if he's gonna, uh, you know, if if he is the rightful heir to the throne, and he's always been about doing the right thing, much like his father was, he's going to have to make some hard decisions coming forward. But I think this is a perfect segue into missteps for the episode. And I believe you and I have the same one misstep. Um, and it had to do with Daenerys and John's relationship. Season seven ended virtually, almost at the very end, with John has been rescued from you know, the clutches of the Night King when he's being nursed to health on that ship as they, they go south. There's a romantic relationship that's blossoming. But that seemed a little more realistic. I don't know that we needed this, you know, dragon date night, essentially, is what it was. Yeah, this was very much... Uh, did HBO get acquired by Disney uh, in the last 500-some days? Uh, I felt like this scene was directly out of one of those cartoons. Uh, it almost had 
you know, a Phil Collins soundtrack to the background of it. Uh, the idea that they go on this fun ride together and you're kind of laughing at John because he's scared and awkward. And and then the dragons drop him off at this beautiful waterfall. And, and she says, we could stay here for a thousand years. No one would ever find us. And then they share a kiss while the dragons look on kind of knowingly. It's uh, it's just hard to watch, man. See, and I, I understand that they wanted to you know, reestablish that relationship. But it was just, it it was corny. It was like out of something else. As they're building up to it, you know, they're walking through the encampment and they're, they're, they're making their way and they're just chit-chatting. I was like, oh no, here it comes. Here it comes. Oh no, he's going to ride the dragon. So the dragon you know, gets down and John kind of fumbles around and, well, h- how do I hold on to it? You hold on to it any way you can. Any way you can. And then they just soar off and we start, you know, seeing the beautiful landscape of the north and they're they're soaring through little canyons and they're looking at each other half smiling. I was just like, no, 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 don't do this. Now, do you recall the last time John was found near a waterfall? Yeah, yeah. Was, That's when he was getting busy with his first love. Yeah, but that was a hot spring. That makes sense. But this dragon riding that turned into like a rom-com, and you joked about that we could stay here for a thousand years and no one could find us. And John goes, oh, but we'd be so old. Come on, man. And then the dragons are watching them, and she says, don't worry. Don't worry. Oh, God. I was like, no, they, they could. You had one you of had, the dragons winks at him. <laughs> yes. You see the nostrils flaring. Other than that, for me, I mean, I understand what they were trying to do, but it just came across as someone has to take that and like cut in from uh, from Aladdin, the whole new world music. Right. <laughs> I can show you the world shining, shimmering, splendid. And they're just kind of soaring around. It, uh, other than that, great episode for me. Yeah. You know what? Let's just hope that this was like the quick and dirty intro that they had to show. Hey, <laughs> these two are, in fact, very much in love. It's going to be an issue. Let's just remind people now you know maybe there's somebody that's watching the show for the first time so you know these characters are love and we could just move on and get on to ugly fights with the hound and his zombie brother next episode or something so i think that's enough here for the insta take because we're gonna you know just get this edited and get it out it's our first thoughts turn around we're gonna watch the episode a couple more times take some notes put our thoughts together uh tomorrow gene and i will record the deep dive we release that i'll be there too oh you're coming Wow, that's I got nowhere exciting. else to be. That's exciting. Okay. So uh, King B is going to join us. We're going to record that tomorrow. It gets released on Tuesday. Then you have a day to you know write in your thoughts, emails, theories. Uh, no spoilers, please. Submit that. Then we record our um, third episode of the week, which we call the Small Council, which you know, you've know you been listening to us babble all week. This is where we, we give you the microphone and we highlight all of your thoughts. So uh, I think that's enough. Anything else can be before we close this out? No, I'm looking forward to the next five uh, episodes. It's kind of hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact there's only going to be five, but uh, let's get the most out of it. Yes, I agree. So that concludes this week's episode of Shadow TV Game of Thrones edition. Be sure to follow us on social media and share with a friend. We're on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook Just search for Shadow TV. The website is shadontv.com. The email is hosts at shadontv.com. We're everywhere fine podcasts can be found, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, Pandora, 
and be sure to subscribe. And if you stop by iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It helps the podcast grow. On behalf of my co-host, the Phantom King B and Gene Lyons, this is Big D, Richard Dick Ebert. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you Tuesday for our first deep dive episode of Season 8 Game of Thrones. Have a good night. Have a good night.